You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. question to ask the audience to start with. Is there anyone here who is involved in health and safety? <laughs> Come on, own up. Anyone? No? Well, this is fine. You should all remain in your chairs. Okay, so I had a very strange upbringing, as I always bang on about. Um, <laughs> My parents ran an old people's home, which was a big converted workhouse. They worked 24-7. They were always on call. I went to boarding schools and in the summer holidays, because the workhouse was in the middle of bloody nowhere, I had no friends apart from whoever I'd made friends with at school. So they used to farm me out all over the place literally on farms. I had a riot on farms. I got up to so much mischief. Have you ever tried lighting a fire on the top of a haystack? Yep. So that was the sort of child I was, stayed all these places. And I loved water. I loved the sea. I'd done a little bit of dinghy sailing. I rode a bit. Um, yeah, lovely, fine. Water, I just mesmerized by it. So one Easter holiday, for some obscure reason, my parents decided that I would like to go sailing. <laughs> so anyway, they said, we're just taking you down to Brightling Sea. Huh? Essex. I was 14 years old, all right? You know, I was working on my attitude at the time and was very inclined to just go along with anything that I was told. So I said, yeah, okay, fine. You're going sailing on this big ship. Excellent. So they dropped me off at Brightling Sea, and there's this amazing boat. It was really old. It was really famous. It was a 36-ton cutter. It had four sets of sails. It was beautiful. Wood, brass, the whole thing, it had been saved in the 50s and renovated to take young people on adventures abroad. Excellent. Well, here we go. So, fine, we get on this boat and there's, what is it, eight young teenagers, a really salty dog of a captain who I suspect didn't actually like people. <laughs> a very thin woman that I think she knew something about sailing and some thin bloke that I can't even remember. 
and that was the crew. And then there was these eight young teenagers with absolutely nothing in common. So we get on this boat, and the timing's excellent. We can't get out of port because the tide isn't high enough for us to go sailing. So Barnacle Bill, this grisly old devil that was the captain, decides we should take the barnacles off the hull of this boat. Fine, so, you know, there we are, low tide, ankle deep or whatever, trying to get the barnacles off. And then by the second day, he thought, what do I do with them now? He said, can anyone row? <laughs> oh, God, I'm such an idiot. Yes, says I, I can row. Well, I could. So I have to climb down this rope ladder into this really heaven, heavy little wooden diggy, dinghy with two massive heavy wooden oars and a spotty male teenager in the back. And he said, just row round the boat and take the barnacles off at this level. Well, there was a bit of a swell going on. I couldn't control the damn thing. I couldn't even get the blimmin' oars going. So after about you know, an hour of us bumping between the boat and the jetty, the boat and the jetty, and spotty teenager in the back just sat there, just absolutely making no effort to take a barnacle off. Salty dog shouts, get back in. So by this time, my arms were killing me because, I mean, you know, oars. So I could hardly get up this rope ladder onto the boat. I thought, this is going to be fun. Third day, tide coming in. Off we sail. Oh, this is exciting. We thought we were all optimistic, thought we were going on an adventure. <laughs> anyway, first thing he says to me is, you can steer the boat. <laughs> yeah, okay, if you say so. So he said, sit on that seat. Lovely, great, it was proper old cutter, wooden, beautiful wheel, all brass fittings, absolute beauty. He said, now you have to steer by the compass, and the compass is down here, and you have to steer at so many degrees, I can't remember what, far too long ago, we are talking 60s here. So I think I'm doing really well. So I'm stood there, so, mm, yes, oh God, how good am I? Yes, I'm keeping it exactly on the degrees he said. Suddenly there's this massive shout. And I looked up and I said, what? And I was heading straight for one of those great big sea forts. And I thought, <laughs> left hand down a bit. Who? <laughs> <laughs> I'm past it, right hand down a bit, by which time the compass was swinging all over the place and it took me ages to get back on. Long and the short of it was, I had never been seasick in my life. But I felt so ill because I'd been focused on this blasted compass and the wheel, so fine, that was that. Then we hit this wonderful patch. Um, you know, it was... If you were old enough, you'd remember the old spice adverts with a beautiful cutter sailing along in the sun, all sails out, happy crew and some amazing chap that used old spice, whatever. So that was great. And I 
get the impression that the captain hadn't really taken to me because he said to me, when evening was set, he said, go to your bunk. You're on the 12 midnight to 4 a.m. watch. Well, that's the biggest mistake of my life. I went down into the depths of this boat, got in the bunk. I have never felt so ill in my life. Nauseous, vertigo, wanted to die. It was absolutely horrendous. It was the worst thing I could have done. I should have stayed on deck. Anyway, suddenly I'm told, it's your turn for the watch. I couldn't get out of the bunk. I felt so ill. So back comes the captain, shouts at me, and he had a good voice on him, get up and get on your watch. Well, you know, it was rocking a bit. I fell out the bunk. And I thought, oh, God, there's water on the floor. So fine. So I'm trying to get up the stairs, you know, just feeling a bit sort and there's a young spotty chap on the bilge pump, pumping like mad, trying to get the water out the bottom of the boat. I go up, and I can't believe what I'm seeing. There's people literally sliding across the deck, absolute bloody chaos. And I thought, yeah, I feel better up here. This is fine. So <laughs> I should never have gone to the cabin, really. So there we are. We're up. And then something in the atmosphere changed and the shout went out for everyone on deck. So everyone from below came up, including the poor guy doing the bilge pump. And we were up there and the next thing we knew, we were attached to sort of a belt harness with a bit of wire that attached onto a sort of two-foot wire, which ran round the boat and was basically the only thing that stopped us falling off the bloody thing. And there was a little bit of wood there as well. And they attached us all on one side to this wire. And it was just absolutely amazing. I, if you've ever been, felt yourself totally frozen in time, where your brain doesn't work, your body doesn't work, the only thing that we had was to hold on to the sheet, which is a rough old bit of rope, right, coming along the side, all of us hanging on to this, and we were told to pull like mad because we'd hit a force nine gale, and they still had a sail up, and we were thinking, what? So there we all were. So literally, we had our feet against this little bit of wood. And the boat tipped so much. When it tipped up on its side, we were stood straight up with the waves coming over our heads. When it came down the other side, we were laying on the deck. Now, can you imagine an hour or so of this? Well, we had no idea. We, we just stood there and we hung on for dear life. One of the girls fell over. And you know that sort of slow motion moment where you see something hap 
lightning and you're thinking, my God, I don't quite believe this. And she was over. And suddenly she was back in, landed like a fish, coughing, spluttering like mad. So we all went back to, I mean, just, you know, we couldn't think. We were absolutely frozen, frozen mentally, not a spot of adrenaline to keep us going. And so there we were. And I don't even remember coming out of the storm. I can remember that it was calm-ish. And we could see lights. And we thought, hooray. About that excited as well. And this bloody captain, he then says to me, Here's a nautical map. Stir us, stir us, oh, stir us, you know what I mean. Get us into the port. Obviously, I'm emotionally involved in this. <laughs> and, and I thought, what, me after my past record? So there I, so I look at this map, this map of an inlet. And I'm thinking, well, what the hell is that? Well, we need to be there, so okay, um, there's compass points on this, but I don't get it because no one's actually told me. So I'm sort of vaguely steering this 36-ton cutter with four sails. All right, yeah, fine, whatever. And I ran aground a sandbank. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and, you know, all I could think was, oh, thank God, we've stopped. <laughs> well, needless to say, I got really told off about that. Am I really going over the plot yet? No, there's quite a bit to go yet. Just, just you know, make a noise if I go on too long. <laughs> so I don't think any of us, apart from the crew, the real crew, could give a hoot about the fact that we were on a sandbag. We were just delighted to not move anymore. <laughs> right, so eventually... We get into port, and they put the anchor down. So we'd started off to go to Den Haag in Holland, and we ended up in Zeebrugge in Belgium, which was several miles off I had to have, uh, several hours late as well. So, okay, I think my trials are over. You have got to be kidding. This this sod of a captain really had it in for me. We were in port for three nights. Every night he gave me the graveyard watch. He gave me a sextant and a compass and said, make sure we don't drift on the an anchor. Didn't actually tell me how to work any of them, but who cares? Yeah, whatever. I've got these two things. This should work. Well, it didn't take me long to think... There's a red light over there that hasn't moved in a long time, so it must be permanent. If I line that up with the bow, that's fine. Then there's a light over there that's white. That hasn't moved. No, I've been here an hour. It hasn't moved. So these are my two points, you know, sod all the equipment. So fine, I got through that. You'd think he'd had enough of me by then. Oh, no. You've got to listen to the shipping forecast every day. And let me know. Dogger, 
Fisher, bite? Well, I mean, you know, what? I'd never listened to the fishing report in my life. Ross and Cromarty came up, and I thought, oh, that's Scotland. That's not near us, is it? Well, you know, honestly, I really didn't have a clue, but in the end, I cottoned on that. I listened out for fatal words. Storm warning, gale, gale force, la-di-da, big swell. You know, and I listened to them, and then I just hoped to heaven that I remembered where it had come from and whether it was going to affect us. So what did I learn? I learnt I am not a sailor. Do I get on ferries and boats anymore? Yes, I do. But I have my eye on the horizon. I have a sandwich in one hand and a bloody great gin and tonic in the other. Cheers. Catra. True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website truestorieslive.co.uk.